Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our, the focus of our sermon is Jesus telling us about Lazarus and the rich man. Well, a teacher asked the class, which is more important, the sun or the moon? And the boy shot up his hand really quick and said, the moon. And the teacher looked at him and said, why would you say the moon? And the boy said, well, it's obvious. The moon gives us light at, in night when it's dark when we really need it. The sun gives us light during the day when we really don't need it. He's a little bit mixed up on what's really important, right? And it's easy to get mixed up on what's important. Jesus tells of Lazarus and the rich man and sets up this contrast, right, between the rich man and Lazarus, the beggar. But the real contrast is what both of them see as important. You see, you look at Lazarus and you think he doesn't have anything, but he really has what's most important. To the world, the rich man has everything but lacks what is most important. And that's what we're going to examine. We're going to look at what was most important, the Word of God, and how the rich man's life might be different if he had that, and how our life is different, because we do have that wonderful Word of God. But again, to understand the fullness of this parable, we need to go back, go up really to the end, where we have the focus in verse 27. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that they may warn them. Thus they also come to this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. He said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophet, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. In this exchange between Abraham and the rich man, becomes clear what it is that that rich man is lacking. The rich man is in torment. He wants to save his brothers. And Abraham says, they have Moses and the prophets. But the very fact that the rich man says, that's not enough. They need someone that come back from the dead for them to repent. Tells us that this rich man paid no attention to Moses and the prophets. He didn't abide by the word of God. He didn't have the word of God as part of his life. And we're reminded that that which was most important, he didn't have. And we're reminded that this is what is most important for us in our life. As Griffin told us in the children's message, what is most important is Christ. And how does Christ come to us? But through his word. Well, how might the rich man's life been different if he had that word? If he abided by Moses and the prophets? That's what we're going to do the rest of the sermon. We go back to the beginning. Jesus said, There was a rich man who was clothed with purple and fine linen, who feasted sumptuously every day. The man, apart from Moses and the prophets, is focused where? On himself. He has the finest, most expensive clothes. He feasted on the best, most sumptuous food. He seemed to have it all. He feasted every day, in fact. But there's a clue in that. The fact that he feasts every day means he doesn't abide by any fast days, nor any holy days. He's so focused on himself that he thinks of nothing else and ignores all, even God. And there's a warning there, is there not? That this is what our nature turns us into. Our nature wants us to focus in on ourselves, to look to ourselves, what we want, what we desire. And isn't that an easy road to go down? To be worried about our clothes, 
Well, we never worry about those, do we? Or our food, or other things in life. Isn't it so easy to get caught up and wrapped up in the things of life, the activities that are going around us, that the things of God just simply get pushed aside? Even the busyness of life can drive away those opportunities for worship in devotional time. The things of the world constantly want to pull us away from God and turn us in on ourselves and to fall into the same trap that we see described in this rich man. But how might this rich man's life have been different if he took seriously Moses and the prophets? Would not Moses and the prophets have drawn his focus from himself to God? Wouldn't the word of God instead focus himself away from his clothes and his food into offering and sacrifice? Would he not hear and be reminded that it's not daily feasting that is important, but the holy days of God set aside? You see, in the rhythm of God's year, there was an acknowledgement of sin and a call to repentance. The words of Moses and the prophets would have reminded this man of his sinfulness and explained to him the promise of a Savior. But that's what he missed out on. But isn't that what we have in God's Word as part of our life? What does the Word do for you? In your worship and in your reading and your devotion, what does the Word do for you? Does it not take the focus off yourself? Does it not place the focus on a God who loves you? Doesn't the word draw our attention to the, to the Lord so that we can understand ourselves properly? We are reminded of our sin because when we focus on God and see his holiness and his righteousness and all that he does, are we not reminded of how far we shall fall short? Not only of the glory of God, but of what God desires and expects of us. But then the word comes and describes this wonderful love that the Lord has for you and for me. A love expressed on a cross. A love expressed in a God who would be willing to give up everything, even his own life for you, and forgive you your sins. Who would rise from the dead to the promise of eternal life. That's what the word of God does. Pulls us away from ourselves and focusing just on the things of this life and in this day, but to the Lord and his love for us. But that's not the only thing the word does. The word has effect even on the way that we live our life in our relationship with others. Again, imagine what the word would have had for this rich man. We go back to verse 20. And at the rich man's gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed from what fell from the rich man's table. Without Moses and the prophets, the rich man ignored the needs of Lazarus. It is interesting that Lazarus is laid at his gate, right? The, the, the picture that is given there is that he couldn't miss Lazarus and his need unless he tried unless he walked around it. It's right there in front of him, but he refused to see it, and he refused to act upon it. He had no care about Lazarus and his needs, nor anybody else's need. All that he was worried about was himself. He had the means to help, but certainly no heart, no desire to help. And again, isn't this what we are without the word? How many times, even with the word at times, do we become oblivious to the needs of those around us? Again, because of our self-focus, because we are so wrapped up in what we need, how often are we unaware of the needs of those people right next to us? And when we do see the need, we want to help. Well, kind of, right? We want to help as long as it doesn't become too inconvenient, it doesn't become too difficult, 
It isn't too much of a labor. We, we have help, but, but we certainly got limits to what we're going to do. Again, doesn't that come from our own self-focus? But the Word of God makes a difference. Imagine Moses and the prophets for this rich man. If he had heard and listened carefully to what Moses and the prophets, it would have made a difference, would it not? Because when you read the law of Moses, it's amazing how God makes sure that in obedience to his laws, the widow, the orphan, the one in need, gets taken care of. God provided in the way that he structured Israel and its government and how it was to live to make sure that no one was left out, that no one was forgotten. And if you listen to the prophets, as we heard Amos today, how many times didn't the prophets indict the people of God for not helping out those in need? Indict them for not bringing justice to those who were less fortunate. Indict them for not being there and sharing with others from the wealth that God had given them. The rich man would have heard all of this if he really paid attention, and that wouldn't that have opened his eyes to the one who was sitting at his gate? Wouldn't he have seen Lazarus in a new light? Wouldn't he have also then wanted to help, be inspired to help? Wouldn't it have made a difference? And that's what God's word does for us. It makes us aware and it empowers us in dealing with our neighbors, our family, and our friends. Hearing our Lord call upon us to care about and care for those in our life, those he has placed in our life, makes us more aware. The way that he even describes and teaches us how to pray, not for ourselves, but, but for everyone. Doesn't that open our eyes? make us more aware of what's going around us. And it doesn't just make us aware of the needs. Not only does it open our eyes, but the Word of God brings us the Holy Spirit to open our hearts. The Word of God enables us to see and to act, opens our eyes and our hearts so that we might indeed take action on behalf of those who are in need. Being aware of our neighbors, our family, our friends, empowered with the love of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, are we not enabled to love our neighbor? Not only do we want, do we do it, but we want to do it. So inspired by God's love and help to us, we can't help but do it. It's the word that brings us about. But the word isn't just about this life. The word is also about the life to come. This is really the saddest part, really, of this account, is it not? Of what Jesus has to say about the rich man? Because he tells us that the rich man died and was buried, and in Hades, being in torment. And the torment is pictured as awful, right? Without Moses and the prophet, the rich man ends up where? Cast eternally from the presence of God. Not listening to Moses and the prophet, the rich man didn't fully grasp his sinfulness and his need for a savior. Not listening to Moses and the prophets. He didn't hear the promises of the Messiah and the salvation that would come. He didn't hear the call for repentance and the description of God as a loving, gracious, forgiving God to those who turned to him. He didn't receive the forgiveness and was left in his sin. And left in his sin, he was given eternal damnation. And as we hear this, 
and as we even might be disturbed by the picture, we should be reminded that this powerful picture is a reminder of what we have in store for us apart from Christ. We are reminded of what we actually deserve. We don't like to think of hell this way. We like to reserve hell only for the really, really bad people, the murderers, the rapists, and all the rest. But the scripture is clear. Hell is reserved for those who turn their back on the Lord, who reject him, who fail to repent, who turn away from him. It's reserved for all those who are apart from Christ, his love, and his forgiveness. And unless Christ has intervened into our life, that's where we also deserve to go. Because we have sinned. We have rebelled. And the only way back is through Christ, his death, his resurrection, and faith in him. And again, what a difference it would have made for the rich man to hear Moses and the prophets. If we heard Moses and the prophets, would not the rich man have had the opportunity to join Lazarus with Abraham? Had the rich man listened to Moses and the prophets, would he have not heard the promises of God? Would he not be reminded of his own sinfulness? Would the word of God not been available to him to bring about repentance? Would he not have had the opportunity to have his sins forgiven? You see, for us who are here, this is the ultimate difference that the word makes for you and for me. It brings about faith. It comes to us and reminds us that though we have sinned, we have a Savior who loved us. Though we have failed, though we have rebelled, that sin is covered. Christ paid for it. Though we deserve God's damnation, God has come to you and brought you the promise of eternal life because in His life, in His resurrection, is the promise of your resurrection. And it is yours through faith. It's the word that has brought you that. It's the word that has brought you the, the promises and even given you the ability to believe it. That's the true joy of having the word part of our life. Not only does it equip us and help us for this life, but it gives us a promise, a certainty, an assurance of the life to come. A life with the Lord for all eternity. Again, when we look at Jesus described, the rich man and the Lazarus, it does seem to the world the rich man had everything, but then we find out he lacked what was most important. Lazarus seemed to have nothing but had what was most important. Rejoice this morning. You lack nothing. There is nothing that you lack. You have all that is important and that which is most important. The Lord has done it all for you. He has given it all to you. There is nothing left. You stand secure before God because there is nothing more that you need and nothing more you need to do. The Lord has done it all. You are secure in the love and forgiveness of the Lord today and you are secure with the promise of eternity forever. Amen. Now may the peace of God surpasses all human understanding, guide our hearts and minds, true faith, life everlasting. Amen.